Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. Man. Amen. Give God glory. Come on. Yes, God. Let's go. Let's get let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Come on. Let's get right into it cuz it's it's I I, I I read this someplace and kind of put it together. It's, it's, it's scary almost to see church buildings full on Palm Sunday. To see the streets later this afternoon streamed with people carrying little palm branches. Knowing that many of those that waved palms on Jesus' entry into Jerusalem were the same people upon realizing their desires unmet later shouted, crucify him. You see, some, some waved palms for political reasons. They heard Jesus had power and they wanted to be free from Roman rule. Some waved their palms because they had loved ones who were sick and they they wanted health and healing. Some happened to just be there and they wanted in on what was happening, fear of missing out. And some were genuine followers who understood that the king was finally coming. Jesus, however, was the only one in the procession who knew exactly why he was entering into Jerusalem to die. He had a mission. Everybody else had an agenda. Let's pray. Let's pray. That was too hard to start with. Too hard. Too hard. Too hard. Too hard. Too hard. hard. Father, we just thank you, God. We come before you, Lord, and we just pray that you would uh, right now just even help us examine our agenda. Help us check our motives, God. Help us understand why we're here, God. And and when you strip that away, God, put us on mission. Let us be those who answer your call and are where we are for the right reason. Somebody say amen. 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 All right. All right. Well, if you're just joining us, we are toward the end, the very end of our series from here to there. And we've been following God's people all the way from the Old Testament and all the way toward Resurrection Sunday. We're watching what they did and how God responded. Watching what God did did and how how people responded. Watching all the ways that God shows grace. And and as we've been watching how God leads and directs and redirects and how people, like we still do today, do our own thing. Go our own ways. And we've been able to see how even at their worst, even at their lowest, God's word to them and God's word to us today is this. I'm still here. Oh, man. I'm still here. So even though you might be coming in uh, or joining us at the end of something, it's also the beginning of something. And I'm excited. We've been going for months, going from here to there. And and the goal is to end next week, Resurrection Sunday. And I'm excited as we approach this week and the next. um, I'm taking this from the beginning to the resurrection. It's as if we've been walking with God all through these years. Amen? Anybody been on the full journey with us? It's like we've been walking through history. (coughs) 
And we're coming to the season now, which is going to introduce new characters that God uses and new battles that the people of God will have to overcome and new ways that God will deliver them, new tactics, new, new weapons. Let me, let me use a more current illustration. It's as if um, this whole season, it's as if we've been binge-watching the Bible season one. From here to there, the Old Testament covenant. And we're getting ready to enter God season two. Come on. Come on. And we've been. All right. I gotta be a little corny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I wanna connect you with something. So, so when you. Anyway. And so we've, we've seen, we, we, we've been skipping commercials, we've been taking no breaks, we've seen through season one that no matter what the people of God get into, no matter how far they stray, no matter how far they go, God says, I'm still here. We've watched episodes, this is, this is all the stuff we've done already, these are the episodes we've watched already, we've been a part of already. Do it afraid. Worth the sacrifice. Grace upon grace. He covered it. The full story, things that matter, relentless, talking about the love of God. King of hearts, divided we fall, greater grace, even there. We've even had an episode in the season titled Game of Thrones. Now, I know probably you're more excited about the new, you know, whatever that's starting uh, today, I guess. But, 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 but listen, listen, who's on the throne is what we need to be concerned about this morning. Who? Is on the throne. Amen? So we got two more episodes this week and next week. Let's catch up in the story and let's make the connection and the crossover to season two. Amen. You with me? All right. Lean in. Don't go to sleep. If you see somebody dozing, take the palm and just, just tickle them right there until they sneeze and then we'll, we'll laugh at them. Amen. So I left off talking the last, my, my, my last one, I, I left off talking about the last few kings. Remember in, 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 uh, in, in all of Judah, right? In to the people of Israel. And, and so remember the people of God wanted a king. And because everybody else had one. That's the only reason they wanted a king. And so the people wanted what everybody else wanted. And God kept telling them and showing them, listen, you don't need them. I called you out from them. I set you apart. There's a true king that's coming. But, but they wanted what they wanted on their own terms. Thank God we're not like them. Amen? And so, and so God gives them Ahaz, bad king. God gives them Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king, but he brought forth Manasseh. Manasseh was the very worst king ever, but Manasseh brings forth Amon. And Amon followed right after his father. He did evil just like his father did, but Amon brings forth Josiah. And Josiah touches the heart of God. Josiah now, pleases God so much that, that, that God says, I'm going to hold off on my wrath. And you won't see it in your days. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? I'm touching the heart of God. I'm going to hold off on my wrath and you're not even going to see it. Let me give you a little side note. Whenever we read about somebody touching God's heart and moving him, it's probably a good idea to look at what he did and maybe do some of that. Amen? Come on, we... We do it in everywhere else in our lives. 
This lady lost 25 pounds. You're like, what? Find out what she did and do it. Find out what she ate and eat it. Find out what she bought and buy it. Find out what she not eating and don't eat it. Right? We see a guy, he put on all this muscle in three months. Find out what he did and eat it. Buy it, swallow it, do whatever you got to do. Find out what he's doing and do it. I, I want that, right? We see somebody and we want it. We want what they want and so we'll do whatever it takes. How come we don't do that in the Word? We read about it all the time. People, oh, this person got rich. He's a millionaire now. Well, find out. We buy his books. We find out what he did. Find out how he lived. Find out what they use and do it. So when we hear about someone touching the heart of God, delaying his wrath, pushing off and walking in his favor, we should probably find out what he did and go after it. Amen? And so what does he do? Josiah calls the nation to read the word. My God, that easy. Yeah, I can write a three-page book for you. Three-page book. Just read the word, covenant, partner with God, and experience his peace. And, and, and what else did he do? He cleaned out. He rebuilt the temple. He removed all the idols. He removed everything that God was, was against. And he restored the worship of God and the meeting with God. And he never saw the exile. He never saw the destruction of the city. He never saw the destruction of the temple. If you want to change, try that. But when he dies, a few more bad kings come in and they do evil in the eyes of the Lord like I was showing you. And then the rest is history. Babylon, the enemy, sweeps in. He takes the nation of Judah and he takes them into exile. See, when we don't make God first and just add him to our agenda, the enemy sweeps in and takes us into captivity. Listen, back then it was dramatic they took them out of their land, took them out of their temple, destroyed the. Today it's subtle, but it's still the same. The enemy sweeps in, takes us out of control. He takes our time. He takes our attention. He takes our love. And then he takes our worship. Because that's what he's after the whole time. So the temple is ultimately destroyed. The people are out of the promised land and they go into 70 years of captivity. Somebody say, but it doesn't end there. And so even though, and, and this is kind of, this kind of grabbed me as I'm, as I'm kind of wrapping, putting all this together. You could hear the wrath of God in his statements, right? In 2 Kings and all the stuff that we've read so far, you could hear the wrath and the anger and the disappointment of God. Look what, like he says in chapter 22, he says, because they have forsaken me and burned, I sound like a transformer instead of God, but I'm trying to sound like God. All right. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all of the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. I have spoken against this place and its people and they would become a curse and they will be laid waste before me. He says in, in, in chapter 21, I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And so you can hear and you can almost feel the anger and the wrath of God when you read these texts. But what you see in the story is the love of God. 
I hear one thing, but I see something else. Don't, don't misunderstand me and please don't misquote me on Facebook. I'm not saying God's all talk. Okay? Because, I mean, here we are at this point in history. Everything he said was going to happen. Everything he said he's going to do, he did. Right? They, they have been taken captive by their enemies. The other tribes have, in fact, taken them out of the promised land. They've destroyed their temple by force. They're not living in daddy's house anymore. Amen? They are not in the land of milk and honey. They're living under the enemy's control. So much so that the enemy's even changing their names like we saw in, in, in Daniel, right? You, you, you guys know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? The, the three Hebrew boys. That's not their names. Their names were changed. Their names were Hananiah, which means God is gracious. Michelle, which means who is like God. And Azariah, which means God helps. Daniel's name is God is my judge. But then when they're under captivity, they changed all their names and gave them names of the Babylonian gods and the Babylonian kings. So, so they gave them, you know, and, and so, so God's words are not empty. That's not what I'm saying. The consequences of their disobedience are obvious. And it's obvious in our own lives too sometimes. Amen? I know. Don't look around. Just. But what I'm saying is what I, what I really want you to understand is that in this story from here to there, we can read and we can hear and we can feel God's anger because of the disobedience of man but, and, and, and God's punishment and his wrath and the consequences of their sin. But what you see in the story is the love of God. I hear one thing, but I see something else. God says, even in captivity, I'm still here. Even under oppression, I never left you. Under the slavery of the consequences of our own disobedience, God is shouting in your life, I'm still here. I see the love of God in my story. I hear him telling me, I'm still here. I see the love of God in some of your stories. I see him saying to you, I'm still here. We, last week we heard about Daniel and we heard about the Hebrew boys in the fire. And we heard about God's sustaining love and his sustaining power. Why would God give Daniel favor and wisdom? And why would God meet him in the lion's den and shut the mouths of the lion? And why would God meet the Hebrew boys in the fire after they refused to bow down? God is saying, because even in your exile, even when you're far from me, I'm still here. Somebody needs to hear that today. That, that you, you might have come for one reason, but God wants you to come because even in your trials, even in your consequences, my promises still here, my love still here, my covering still here, my provision still here, my presence still here. And so, so what happens here is that Daniel reads Jeremiah's prophecy and, he's, and he starts saying, it's time to get ready to go back, Right? Jeremiah's prophecy said that in 70 years, that's it. The captivity is over. There's an expiration date on the exile, right? And so he said, it's time to go back. That's a good word for somebody today. You feel like you're in a timeout and God is saying, it's time to come back. It's time to come back. Maybe that's what you're doing here today. You might have thought you came just to get a palm so that you can make a cross out of it and then keep it in your house or your car for blessing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> maybe, maybe God is saying it's time to come back. 
The palm should scare you. Because if I, I, would, I wouldn't want to wave a palm because it, a waving a palm will ask God to check my heart. The palm could remind him of something he doesn't want to be reminded of. I know some of you got six of them in your car from like nine, the last. Think about that though. I talk to people all the time, and so many times those that aren't in church anymore are following after God the way they used to. They always mention, I have to get back. I have to get back to church, man. It's time for me to get back. It's time to get ready. And I always tell them, we're still here. Amen. Amen. We're still here. And so we saw all through season one of the Bible, all through the Old Testament, God will send these interruptions. God will send these intercessions. God will send these messengers to, to meet with you, to stop you sometimes, to, to break you sometimes, to give you the chance to respond, to call you back. Sometimes angels, sometimes regular people. Listen, sometimes it's just a sunset, just a rainbow, just a bird chirping, reminding you that God is saying, I'm still here. So in our story, the people start to get ready to go back. And, and so let's go to the place where it's time for them to go back to the place where God prepared for them. It's, it's time to go back to the place that God has, the life that he wants for us. We've been, uh, uh, far, we've been too far for too long. And see, God didn't just create us to live in slavery. He didn't create us to live under oppression of our enemies. He said in Jeremiah, and, and Daniel read it, he said, I have plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many, too many times have we heard that verse? Some of you have it tattooed and you don't know what it means. We misapply that, that, that thing all the time, all kinds of ways today, because our definitions are so twisted. We think like the world thinks. We think prosperous means we have the money to do whatever we want. We have money to burn. We have prosperous means we have the best houses, the finest cars. Let me define it for you. Prosperity is right standing with God. Let me define it once and for all. Prosperity is right standing with God. People with money and stuff and things, they're still unsatisfied, still wrecking their lives, even taking their own lives because they can't find any meaning in it. God says it right there in Jeremiah, if you read the beginning and the after. The rest, he says, so if you call on me and pray, I'll listen to you. When you seek me, I'll be find, found by you. It's about right standing with God. Amen? So these people have been in exile now. Let's, let's get to the story. Under the harsh hand of the enemies. And so these people that are in exile now, they were the same people. They come from the same line of people who saw bread fall from heaven to feed them. The same line of people who saw water flow from rocks when they were thirsty. The same group of people who saw waters open up and uh, allowing them safe passage. And, and the same group of people, they're from the same people who saw the waters close back on their enemies and destroy them. These are the same people who, who have gone into battles and had victories against their enemies that outnumbered them almost every time. Somebody say amen. amen. They fought battles with instruments. They brought down walls with praise. People who could live in houses they didn't have to build, eat food they didn't have to plant. People who reaped where they didn't sow, that's prosperity. 
to call on God and walk with God. And even when you find yourself in deep waters or in dry seasons, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, they can say, God, I'm still here. God is still here. All right, so the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, it tells us what happens next. King Cyrus, as was prophesied by Isaiah, issues a proclamation to God's people. He says, go back home. Go rebuild the temple. And some of the Jewish people left and they went back home. Some, however, decided to stay in captivity in the land of Babylon. Why? Because sometimes we get comfortable in our captivity. Sometimes we get set in our ways in the place of exile, away from the purposes and plans of God, so much that we would rather stay with our stuff than go back into what God is calling us to do. So some of them stayed back. Some of them went. And so Zerubbabel, it tells us, he headed back with the first group, and they start building, and they face some opposition. How many of you know when you start breaking away from the things you were doing and come back to what God called you to do, you're going to face opposition? Somebody say amen. When you want to go back to the place where you met with God, when you want to go back to the walk that you had with God, to the person that you were in God, you're going to face opposition. Some people don't want you to change. Some people don't want you to grow. Some people don't want you to go. Aye, somebody heard that hard. So God sends the prophets, and the prophets come, and they encourage, and they motivate them, and they even work alongside them as the enemies kept interfering them and, and making them stop. And so God moves Ezra, the priest, to bring another group back. And, and remember, God is using foreign kings to pay the way for, that's prosperity. God is using foreign kings to pay, to foot the bill for all of this. That's prosperity. And so the people began building again, and eventually they complete the temple. I don't have time to go through. It's great, but but just I want you to get the full picture. Amen? Just the story. And so they eventually build the temple. So everything is ready except the people because they're still not who they should be. How many of you know you can build beautiful churches, but it's the heart of the people that God sees? It's the people that move God, not churches, not buildings. Somebody say amen. amen. I, don't, I don't think even in season two, God doesn't even see our buildings anymore. He sees the heart of the people. Is it hot or is it cold? Lukewarm, I don't even register. That's why in season, in God season two, we find out there's no more temples. This last temple will get destroyed. There's no more temples because he says we are the temple in God season two. Come on. We are the temple. We are where the Spirit of God dwells. We are. God, God, God says, I'm still there, but now he's in us. I'm still here. So what does Ezra, the priest, do? He does what Josiah did. He humbles himself. And he pray. He humbles himself. Can I say that to the church this morning? He humbles himself. And he prays. And he fasts with the people. And he calls them to do the same. And to enter back into covenant with God. 
And he calls them to clean up, to make the things right that have to be made right. He reads the word. And then God moves Nehemiah to come and to rebuild the wall. The temple, you know, the temple was built, but the walls were, were still in ruins after years and years and years. And nobody is able to build them back up. And so the enemies could come in and out. It's an open city. It's not safe. <coughs> so God moves Nehemiah to come and rebuild the wall. The, and, and, and Nehemiah prays and he fasts and he repents. And after he prays and asks for God, in, in, in what he does is he tells the worldly king that he works for, I want to go back and I want to build the walls for Jerusalem. And he doesn't say it, but what he's saying is, and I want you to pay for it. And so because he has the favor of God on his life, because God created him to be prosperous, because God says, I have plans to prosper you, to, to give you a hope and a future, he, he, the king says, sure. And he lets him go and he sends him with materials and passes to get safely through places. He sends him with home credit cards and Lowe's credit cards. He said that he could just go shopping and buy electric this and buy everything that he needs free on the king. Amen. It's an amazing story. I love this story, Nehemiah. I could preach on it for like four weeks. The, the people come together as families, and they work alongside each other to build the walls to fortify the city. It's, it's a picture of the church in, in God season two. The, the family says, it, it, like this family says, we'll work, we'll work from here to here. My family will, will fix the wall from here to here. And then like the Garcias come and the Garcia says, we'll start here and we'll work to here. And then the Ramirez is come and says, we'll start here and we'll big to here. And then like the Goicos do a section and the Sims do a section. The Riveras do a section. The Rodriguez's do. There weren't a lot of Dominicans back there, but a little section. The Britos. The burritos fix this little section right there by the doors. And, and, and they each, all by family, they work together, even under oppression, so much so that it says at one point they had to work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. How gangster is the kingdom of God? Amen? What? Working together, right? And, and, and so in 52 days, they do what they couldn't do in years and years and years. They build, they're working together. And so then, well, uh, then, then what, what, what do they do? They call the nation together. And they pray. And Ezra reads the word. It says he gets up in front of them and, and they all stand. And he reads the word together. The, the, all the, the Bible that they had at the time, the Torah, all the books that they had, the book of the law, he just reads it. Read. Listen, if I just started reading Bible scriptures today, half of you would leave. If I just told you, listen, we're going to read through the whole book of John this morning. Welcome. Thank you for coming. I have no message. I'm just going to read through the book of John. Let's please stand. Right? By like John 3, some of you will be like, oh, oh. You fake phone calls, you start disappearing, then you text your wife from the car, honey, let's go, we got to go. <laughs> honey, 
honey, it's the game, it's this, it's that, I got turkey in the oven, it's Game of Thrones coming, it's this, it's football, is it right? You, you, we wouldn't, right? Ezra says he reads the entire word. He calls the nation together. The people stood the entire time. And then when they heard it, they were convicted and they were broken by it. And so Zerubbabel builds the temple, and, and Ezra the priest rebuilds the people. And then Nehemiah fortifies the city, and he works with Ezra to bring the people of God back to the place that God established from them in the beginning. Let me explain to you why did this have to happen. This is so, here's how, here's how we're going to connect it. Why did this temple have to be rebuilt? Why did this have to happen? I'm going to show you something on the screen in a minute. Because this, what was the connection to season two? Why did Jerusalem have to be established? Why did this temple have to be rebuilt? And, and, and why did the people have to gather again? Why? This is, this is why. Let me show you. See, Jerusalem had to be established so that his people would be there, so that they would gather there. The temple had to be rebuilt so that the feasts would have to start again and so that they could have a coming, they could come together for a Passover feast where Jews from everywhere would gather and come together to celebrate the Passover. And then they would see the the prophecy from Zechariah 9 come to pass. Behold. Rejoice, people of Zion, your king is coming, riding on a donkey. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That, that temple that was built at this time in season one, that's the temple that Jesus walks into. That's the temple where they wave the palms as he's entering Jerusalem. It's that place, it's this time and, and we can read about it in Luke 19, in Mark 11, in Matthew 21, or right here in John 12. It says, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found the donkey and sat on it. 
just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had now been done to him. The challenge for us this season, church, is are we here coming to God today with our agenda? Or are we coming to God to be on mission? Do we hear the word today? Do we see the visual? Do we see the illustration? Do we make the and remain cold and unmoved? Or do we hear the word and see it come to pass right before our eyes and respond to it? See, that's the part I can't do for you. I can tell you the story. I can, I can give you the palms as a remembrance. We can sing pretty songs. We can share meaningful memories. But in the end, it's your response is what matters. In the end, is how you respond to the king that matters. God's word to you today from here to there and every place in between, no matter where you stand today. No matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter what mess you're in right now, God says, I'm still here. Come follow me. from a friend maybe you haven't been not church per se but you just haven't been in God's presence in a while that personal presence well today this whole thing was set up just to invite you back into his presence so allow us to sing over you today my feet. 
just stand. Oh, touch from you, Jesus. It's all I need, all I need. It's a touch from you, Lord, right now. We need you, Jesus. So much more of you. If you haven't prayed this in a long time, just make this your prayer. Just say, I open up my heart to you. Open up, say, I open up my heart to you. So do, Lord, so do what only you can do. Jesus, say, Jesus, have your way in me. Come on, sing it out, just say I open up my heart to you Oh Lord, say I open up my heart to you now So do what only you can do Jesus
touch from you, Jesus. Just a touch from you, Lord. It's all I really need. Father, we glorify you here. If you are here today, And that last part, that prayer part about opening up your heart, if, if, if that really did something, if that, if that really resonated in your heart, and, and, and you've been wanting to pray that prayer, but, but things been stopping you because you, you feel that I, I'm just not right. I got to get it together. Well, I'm here to tell you that you will never get it together. Not on your own. if you're broken today and you need to be made whole there's only one there's only one one maker one god one person who knows what whole looks like and he can make you whole today so if you're here or maybe you just heard this for the first time i want to offer you jesus today and just everyone here in the room close your eyes right now and those that that this song that this prayer really meant something to you just lift your hands no one is watching right now you can lift your hands and you can be restored right now Jesus has been waiting for you with love in his eyes holding nothing against you is unconditional love right now for you and it's sweeping over you and it's covering you and washing you clean and it's restoring you back to him because you want to be where you once were and you found it hard but God is moving all obstacles before you right now there's nothing in front of you and him and all you need to do is reach out and he will touch you this is no gimmick because my life is a, is a full testimony of what God can do. Come on. So welcome to or welcome back. But God already knew because he's sovereign. So somebody bless the Lord. For those that lifted their hands, bless the Lord for just, just because he is worthy to be praised. Can I have some sisters just come and pray for this, this young lady here in the middle? Just someone just come and pray with her. Hallelujah. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Praise God. And I just want to pray over you here and we'll release you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Father, to be reminded of your love, Lord. To be reminded of your unconditional love, oh God. No, you don't hold anything over us, Lord. But when we come before your presence and we ask your forgiveness, you cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, oh God. That and fear, all those things together, Father. You remove from our lives, Father, because your desire is to have an uninterrupted, unpeated relationship with us, oh God. So Father, this morning we recognize your love for us. 
we celebrate you father for what you did so many years ago but we celebrate you every day for what you do today and tomorrow father we celebrate you so here at the sanctuary fellowship lord and wherever holy hands are lifted up in praise to you father we say thank you thank you for loving us enough that you didn't forget about us gentiles that you didn't forget about us unclean but you made a way for us and we will forever praise your name you are blessed so be a blessing have a wonderful week